forgot I was in a Presbyterian church. You know what they call us? They call us the Frozen Chosen. You know, and so I was I was singing that song, and I saw all these hands waving around. I thought we were in a charismatic church for a second, but um, cut that out, Doctor Brian. Uh, amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Um, <clears throat> this sermon is preaching to myself this morning, and it's something that's been kind of going through my brain. And here's here's the goal. The goal is us Christians, and may we know and may we remember God's presence, God's posture towards us, and God's provision for us. God's presence, God's posture towards us, and God's provision for us. Amen. We will camp out mainly in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, and that will be on the screen. But before we pray, I want to start in Mark chapter 8, starting with verse 13. Mark chapter 8, verse 13. It will not be on the screen, so if you have a Bible, turn there, and if not, you can kind of just listen to God's Word. And Jesus... Aware of what they are talking about, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand? How many baskets full of pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? Do you not yet remember? Thank you, God, for your word. Let's pray. Father, we need your presence. We need to be reminded of your posture towards us. And we need to be constantly reminded of your provision for us. May we see your word for what it is. Take it at face value. That you are a God of miracles. That you are a God who lived amongst us and still dwells amongst us. May we know for certain, who you are and whose we are. And may that change everything about us every time we come into your presence. May we remember the things of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Starting Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. If it's been a while since you've kind of taken your Bible and opened up one of the Gospels and thumbed through it, my encouragement is to do that. We shouldn't go too long in our lives with Jesus without becoming fully enamored with the person who was revealed in the Gospels. That Jesus is the exact representation of God. He's the visible image of the invisible God. When we look at Jesus, we can know for a fact who God is, and we can know for a fact His posture towards us. And I'm, I'm enamored every time, and I say, I think every time I open up one of the Gospels here, people were infatuated with Jesus. They couldn't get enough of Him. Catch that. They ran around the lake on foot just to be there. And just imagine, you're on Cheat Lake. You're on Cheat Lake. You're out there chilling on your pontoon boat, and you see thousands of people running around the edges of the lake trying to get to where you're going. There was something about the name of Jesus and His character and His posture and His presence and the way He treated people and the way He just radiated God's glory that people wanted to see Him. And so that's what we see. We see thousands and thousands of people as Jesus was trying to get a little bit of R&R with his disciples. Thousands of people were just sprinting, ran on foot, 
to get to where Jesus was. I'm astonished at that. So, Jesus wanted a time alone with his disciples. The story continues. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's amazing. That Jesus, after miraculously healing people and his disciples were doing ministry, they get away for some rest and relaxation, and his first thing is not, I wish these people would just leave me alone. But he had compassion on them. Great love towards him. I don't know about you, but when I have plans to sit down, Netflix and hang out with my family, and then I get a knock on my door, or a call saying, hey, we got to talk. That's the worst text, by the way. Hey, let's have a conversation about something. You never know what's going to happen. I do not have compassion on that person. I don't, I, I am, I'm annoyed by them. I'm put off by them. But Jesus saw their state, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, and had compassion on him. And that's kind of cool in and of itself. Because sometimes we're still, we are still influenced by the Greek thought that the gods and that God was stoic, without passion, without feelings, without any of our human natural um, human natural feelings. But God, as we see in the Gospels here, is one that has experienced what we experienced, knows what we know. He's the great high priest who can identify with us. And he saw them and had compassion on them because he loved them. By the way, this is like the most famous Young Life verse right here. Because if you've ever been to a Friday night football game and you look at that student section, if you don't think they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, you probably haven't looked at them too often. Because they're lost everywhere. But harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, thank God that he is compassionate. And Jesus began to teach this crowd many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. We can't feed them. Just imagine if you're on that mercy trip. Lord, I feel bad for you guys. But imagine you're on that mercy trip, and John goes to Dr. Brian and says, Hey, we forgot all the food. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Dr. Brian goes, You feed them. You're in a desolate place in Pennsylvania. That's what's happening right here. Jesus is with his disciples, and they have no food. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Jesus goes, you feed them. That's amazing. You feed them. Here's my encouragement. When we get the pastor, you know, Pastor Ken, another bald guy, or some other, I guess all Presbyterians are bald, some other bald guy. Sorry, Dave. Um, You're good, man. Sometimes we outsource ministry to those who are paid. Sometimes we go, hey, pastor, let's go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring people to church and you feed them. But I think Jesus is calling every single person in this room, looking at you and saying, hey, look at the crowds around you. Look at your workplaces. Look at your neighborhoods. Look at the people. And he's looking on you and say, you feed them. Don't outsource it to a professional in ministry. Don't outsource it to another people. But Jesus is saying, you feed them. Just imagine what the disciples thought. That's kind of cool. You give them something to eat, he said. Then, I love this answer, the disciples answered like a sarcastic teenager. And I am not looking forward toward the teenage years. I think I'm going to have five teenagers at one point. That's not okay. Sorry, kids, you're getting bored at school. 
disciples answered like a sarcastic teenager, and they said to Jesus, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Good thing Jesus had compassion, or else there'd be a lightning bolt right there. That sarcastic teenager response. But Jesus answered, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. Just imagine this. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the countryside. And the disciples organized them. 50 people here, 50 people here, 100 people here, 100 people here, across the countryside. And what they do is they got to participate. They got to participate in the miraculous event that Jesus was about to do. And so what they did was they organized the crowds and then they kept on going back to Jesus and just catch what he says here. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. That's what happened. So the disciples, after Jesus blessed the bread and multiplied it, they got to take the scraps of fish and bring it to the group of 50. Go back, take the scraps of bread and bring it to the hundred. Go back, take it to the scraps of 50 and get it to the... How long do you think they were like, man, where is all this food coming from? And it doesn't matter because at some point they're like, what's going on? And they, they don't know, they just keep going. And that's the cool thing that Jesus offers you and I as well, an opportunity to minister to people when He's the one that's providing for everything. He engages us in the act of this salvation story that he has, that we are his hands and feet on this on this earth, and that we get to go back to Jesus for all of our needs and all of our provision and everything we'll ever need in our entire life, and then get to go out and give it to the 50. Come back to him. Go out and give it to the 100. That's what Sunday morning church is. Sunday morning church is kind of like that football huddle on the field. They come in, huddle up together, get our marching plans, get filled up, get ready to rock, and then he sends us out to do the play. He actively wants us to be involved in his miraculous event, just like he actively wanted his disciples to be involved. Did Jesus need his disciples in this story? No. Jesus could have went, bam, and given everyone everything instantaneously. But God in his mercy and provision and his love for his disciples engaged his followers in the act of ministry. Why? Because we get to see his provision for people. He gets to see his provision for us. And we get to stand before the Holy God and be changed from that. It's really cool. A real life miracle. I had a seminary professor who met Jesus in young life in the 70s. And, he, and, and when he found out that I was a young life guy, he's like, oh, my young life leader. You know the time I met Jesus was when my young life leader said that Jesus fed 5,000 people with a couple fish sandwiches. That's kind of cool. Jesus fed thousands and thousands of people with a couple of fish sandwiches. I don't know about you guys, but if I was there, I would have never forgotten it. I would have never forgotten that picture of 10,000 plus people on the hillside and me actively giving them for food. And they were filled and were satisfied, filled to the brim with a couple of fish sandwiches. It would have been etched in my brain forever. And you know what's funny? There's been times in my life where beyond a shadow of a doubt that I knew that Jesus was real 
and that he provided. He would never leave me, never forsake me, and would always be active. And yet, I forget. I kind of look at these disciples and I go, what idiots. If I was there, I would never, I would never forget that. But I remember that first time, um, <laughs> I, it's a beautiful thing. I've been on Young Life staff for 12 years. I'm like a missionary. I have to fund my own funds. I've only missed three, pay, four paychecks. I just missed one. Four paychecks my entire life. And I remember that first paycheck that I missed, someone came knocking on my door and gave me a check for like a thousand bucks, which is basically what I was getting paid a month. God's a miraculous provision. I said, I'll never forget it. Then the next month, I still don't have any money. And then the church next door came over and gave me groceries so I could survive. God's miraculous provision. I remember these times when this kid was running the other way from the Lord. He was dumb as a doornail, dead as a corpse. And I was like, there's no way this kid will ever meet Jesus. He's never stepped foot in church. And God changed his heart of stone and gave him a heart of flesh. We've all been in a position where we've seen God miraculously work in us and through us and around us. And I forget. You know, God dwells within me and I forget his presence and his posture and his provision for me. We just had uh, kids get back from one of our camps and, you know, tell them about Jesus is really cool. And, and I still think, I'm like, that kid's never gonna, you know, they, they're, they're too far gone. And this was a text I got from this one leader. This one leader says, this kid sent them this. All of this is new to me. I've only been to church once and it was my friend's family. I never go to church. I'm excited to learn more about Jesus. I think after this week, I want a relationship with him. I, I, I was mind boggled because it just doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense to me. But God moves miraculously. And He still does. But for whatever reason, our sin, the fall, the devil, we forget. We are blinded by His provision time and time again. Now catch this. A chapter over in Mark chapter 8, 1 through 20. Verses 1 through 20. We'll go through this real fast. Just a couple chapters over. People say Mark is written chronologically. So this happened after the feeding of the 5,000. In those days... Notice the similarities. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, they had nothing to eat. Once again, a great crowd, no grub around them. He called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd. Man, there's that compassion thing again. Thank you, Jesus, you're compassionate. Because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, another teenager snide remark, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. Same way of feeding them. Jesus, disciples, people, repeat. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that they should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets fulls. And there were about 4,000 men. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with the disciples and went away. How could they not remember? As amazing as that miracle was, wouldn't you think, if it happened the exactly same way, they would remember? All throughout Scripture, we see this pattern. God shows up. People forget. God asks us to repent. God shows up, people forget, God asks us to repent. And so going back to chapter 8, starting with verse 13, this is a really amazing thing. Jesus got into the boat and went to the other side. Now the disciples have forgotten to bring bread. Those kids need grocery bags or something. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus consciously them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. 
Jesus' warning on the false teachings of the Pharisees and Herod, but the disciples were too worried about lunch to really understand what was going on. So Jesus, aware of what they were talking about, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember? Guys, do you not remember when I broke the five loaves of bread for 5,000 people? How many do we have left over? Twelve. And the seven with 4,000. How many baskets full were broken did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Don't you remember? Fed 5,000 people miraculously. Fed 4,000 people miraculously. And there's a dozen of them. And they're worried about God providing for them. Don't you remember? Jesus clearly and bluntly speaks to his disciples about their amnesia. How could they forget? I don't know about you, but I forget. I forget. I forget God's presence in my life. That he is the Emmanuel, God with me. That when I am in a hard time or a dark place, or even when I'm a self-sufficient time in a great place, I forget that Jesus is right there with me. I forget of his posture towards me. When I screw up, I, I still think God's going to lightning bolt me right in the butt. But he has compassion on me. Because I'm harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know sheep are the dumbest animals? They just wander off everywhere. And that's how God likens us. You know? But he loves us. I forget God's provision for me. Every single year, I forget that God always provides. No matter what. God always provides all the money I need, all the food. I've never gone hungry. I've never gone without His presence in my life because He's always with me. And we see this throughout Scripture. Real quick, Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is the book of remembrance, by the way. The remembrance of God's covenant faithfulness, this covenant renewal ceremony that's centered around Deuteronomy. It's beautiful. Deuteronomy 6 says this, When things are going great, When stuff is happening, awesome. Take care, lest you forget. The pride of self-sufficiency. Don't forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord you shall feel. You shall have no other gods. Deuteronomy 8. Take care, lest you forget. Don't forget your God by not keeping His commandments. Second Kings goes on all throughout Scripture. You shall not forget the covenant I have made with you. You shall have no other gods. Psalm 105.5, remember the wondrous works that God has done, His miracles and the judgments He uttered. We forget too easily the things of God. We forget who God is, so may you remember His presence. We forget what the gospel is, so may you remember His posture towards you. We forget what God has done in our lives, so may you remember God's provision for you. I had a few other things, but I want to skip to this. Um, I have an addictive personality, and when I listen to a song, I'll listen to a song a hundred times, over and over and over and over again. And the song of this week was, All Must Be Well. And it's a, and it's a beautiful song. And I was just going to quote the last couple lines, but I was like, oh man, it's too good. i got to quote it all. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, All Must Be Well, and I pray that this spurs on our remembrance towards the Gospel. Through the love... Of God our Savior, all will be well. Free and changeless is His favor, all is well. Precious is the blood that healed us, 
Perfect is the grace that sealed us. Strong the hand stretched forth to shield us. All must be well. Though we pass through tribulation, all will be well. Ours is such a full salvation. All is well. Happy still in God confiding. Fruitful if in Christ abiding. Steadfast through the Spirit's guiding. All will be well. We must expect a bright tomorrow. All will be well. Faith can sing through days of sorrow. All is well. On our Father loves relying. All our needs supplying. Yes, in living or in dying. All will be well. All be well. Let's pray, Father. We need to rely on your love more than we are. Jesus, we need to recognize your supplying and our need for you. Whether we're living or we're dying, whether we're in the highest highs or the lowest of lows, your presence is with us to the ends of age. Your posture is gracious and compassionate towards us. And you provide so much more than we ask or imagine. In our lives, through our lives, and around us, you are active and alive and real. All will be well. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.